0: Hey, good morning church family. This is Dan Halleck here. I want to wish you a happy Sunday Uh, and I am a little extra smiley this morning because I'm back at the church and uh, back at the church building that is and so uh, it's good to be back. I have not been in this building for a month or so at least. And uh, a few things stick out to me uh, about this. Uh, One is I walked through the door and I can still smell the fresh paint smell. I I had missed it before, but it smells like fresh paint in here to me. And uh, maybe that's because it's still a new building or maybe that's because someone was painting. I don't know, but all I know is it felt good. And uh, secondly, uh, what was the second thing I was going to say? Oh yeah. I'm not used to preaching in front of a really bright light again. And so my eyes are taking a, a little bit to get adjusted to that. Um, and then third, uh, my kids are thrilled because, uh, they don't have to leave the house now and dad leads that leaves the house to preach and so that makes them happy and probably my wife too so hey this is a win-win-win and uh, we're just excited to start taking steps back to normalcy and uh, god willing to start taking steps back to gathering again here at the church building very soon <clears throat> as you know we are in the middle of a very divided and sad time in our country right now uh, in addition to the, the aggravation and the pressure that's built up over the past few months because of the coronavirus quarantine, our country is, is stressed over the murder of George Floyd and the ensuing riots and destruction of property and conflict between races, neighbors, and authorities. Emotions are high, tension is palpable. And cries for justice are loud. And so, how do we, as followers of Jesus, respond to situations like these? We love others sacrificially, we listen patiently, and we pray together fervently. This is our Father's world, not our world. The Lord is not shaken one bit, even though we have been. And so, Christians, let us take a few minutes now to demonstrate our trust in our Lord right now by praying to him together. Dear Lord, you tell us in your word that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. You tell us that steadfast love And faithfulness go before you. You tell us that the good that you require of us is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. Lord, we confess that although we are the work of your hands, we have sinned against you and rebelled against these requirements you have given us. We as a human race have not done justice on earth as it is in heaven. We have not loved kindness on earth as you do in heaven, and we have not walked humbly with you. Please forgive us, Lord, for our hatred, our rage, our unkindness, our pride, our racism, and our injustice. Please forgive us for not considering one another more significant than ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, for the mercy and grace and forgiveness and love that you offer us in your son, Jesus Christ. You, Jesus, were and are perfectly righteous and perfectly just. Yet you laid down your life to suffer the eternal punishment for our unrighteousness and our unjust actions. You did that so we might not be condemned by God and separated from God forever. And we cannot thank you enough for that. Lord, we have no hope to be freed from our unrighteousness and from our human ugliness except by trusting in you. So, Jesus, we thank you for being our Savior. We ask that you would please teach us every day how to follow you as we open your word, how to please you, how to honor you as we listen to your word and your spirit how to obey you as our mentor as our master and as our lord lord we condemn the murder of george floyd we lift up his family now and ask you to help them in their grief we ask that justice would be done on earth as it is in heaven we pray for peace in minneapolis in seattle and in every city in america please help People's cries for justice to be heard and for needed changes to be made so that we truly can do justice on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for every person living in anxiety and fear because of the social unrest around us. Please be with our African-American brothers and sisters. Please be with all of our brothers and sisters who represent minority ethnicities in our country. Please be with our white brothers and sisters Please give us understanding. Please give us love for one another. Lord, please be with our policemen and women. Protect them, Lord. Please give them good judgment. Please help them to do justice rightly. We pray that you would give wisdom and compassion and good judgment to our county and state and national leaders. Please give them humble hearts that seek to do your righteous will with the power that you have given to them. In addition, Lord, we ask that you would help our church family at this time, that you would help our church leaders. This 11-week quarantine has taken a toll on all of us. Please fill us with your spirit and make us abounding in your love. God, when we are prideful, please humble us and correct us. When we are acting in the flesh, Please discipline us in your love. Please demonstrate in us the same patience and long-suffering that you've demonstrated toward us. And God, please show us what it looks like for us to meet together again in a way that truly honors you and that demonstrates our love for one another. Please give us unity despite our different opinions. Please help us to sacrifice our privileges For the sake of one another, just as you sacrificed your heavenly privileges for our sake. Please make us bold and courageous and temper that boldness and courage with your wisdom and timing. Anger does not bring about the righteousness you want for us, God. Prideful behavior is against everything you stand for. So please protect us from both of those. God, help us to keep everything in perspective. Help us to act maturely. Help us as individuals and as a church to walk in a way that honors you and your gospel. And for those in our church and community who have loved ones with the coronavirus or who have lost friends and loved ones from the coronavirus, please give them your strength and peace at this time. And Lord, we pray for the non-believers around us also that Through our love and concern for them, they would see that we want good for them. That through our long suffering and obedience to you, they would see that we truly trust you and desire to obey you, Lord. And through, through the proclamation of your gospel, you would make them born again in Jesus, like you did to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Has brought us to a passage in Ephesians that is extremely fitting for our present situation. We come to Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 16. In these verses, God tells us that He has reconciled us in Christ by one man to be one man. God has reconciled us in Christ, those of us who are in Christ, God has reconciled us by one man. In order to be one man. Scripture's historical testimony about the human race is the story of our hatred for the true God and our hatred for one another. Envying one another, murdering one another, condemning one another, being prejudiced against one another, being racist, being sexist, being unjust toward one another, being divided from one another. Sin has fueled any and all types of division between humans that we can think of. But here in Ephesians 2, God tells us, but don't forget the power of God. Don't forget the power of God, is what God wants us to remember. Don't forget the mighty things that I have done. Don't est- underestimate what I can do. I bring spiritually dead people to life. I make sinners born again and seat them with me in the heavens. And I am bringing all creation back together through the power of my cross and through the power of my resurrection. I am a reconciling God. Wow, amen. We must never forget that our God is a reconciling God. Reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. Through the cross and resurrection of Christ, God reconciles us to himself. And at the very same time, through the cross and the resurrection of Christ, God reconciles divided peoples to one another. Reconciliation means To end hostility between parties and to bring them back together in a peaceful and harmonious friendship. Reconciliation means to end hostility between parties and to bring them back together in a peaceful and harmonious friendship. Our God is a reconciling God. Through the work of Christ and through the Spirit of Christ, God alone creates true, lasting unity between people from divided races, nations, ethnicities, genders, social classes, and political parties. Do not underestimate the power of the reconciling God. Open up your Bible with me, if you have one, please, to Ephesians 2 verse 11. Paul writes, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, What a passage of Scripture. Now, Paul has just finished describing to the Ephesian Christians how God graciously worked his matchless grace toward them to make them alive in Christ. Paul described how God made them into new creations, how we who trust in Christ are God's workmanship and not our own. And now, as he writes this word, therefore, Paul builds off of those truths and he begins to explain how we are uh, not only new creations as individuals, but also in Jesus, we are collectively a new creation. We are one new man. We are one new race made from many different races. We are together God's new creation, his one new man. And Paul describes how supernaturally radical and beautiful we are as God's new man by first having us remember who we used to be when we were far away from Christ. You ever think about that? You ever think about who you used to be when you were living far off from God? When you used to not follow Jesus? Who you... Who you were and where you might be today had Jesus not saved you? It's kind of a scary thought. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Well, Paul explores this reality of being far off from Christ by talking about the great chasm between the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, the Jews were the race and nation to whom God chose to reveal his law his prophets, and his personal presence. The Jews are the people through whom God promised to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world. If you aren't Jewish, then you are a Gentile. And so Gentiles include every race of human on earth besides the Jews. And as evidence in the Old Testament, and then further exacerbated as uh, by the, the many man-made Jewish laws, the ancient Jews were hostile toward Gentiles, and the Gentiles were hostile toward the Jews. The Jews had been called to be set apart from all the other nations, from every Gentile people group, whether those Gentiles be Babylon uh, excuse me Babylonians or Philistines or. Assyrians or Greeks or Romans or Samaritans or barbarians. The the Jews had their own language. They had their own customs, their own religion, their own nation, their own monotheistic God. Their, Their general practice was to stay away from the corrupt and unclean, godless Gentiles. And here, Paul points out the fact that the majority of the Christians in Ephesus to whom he was writing were from a Gentile background. They were not from a Jewish background. And and the way Paul does this in a very touchy way is by reminding the Gentiles what the Jews call them. The Jews call them the uncircumcision. And this term, the uncircumcision, was a derogatory term. This was a degrading term. This was a slur that the Jews used to refer to the Gentiles. Paul explains in verse 12, When you were just the uncircumcision, Ephesian Christians, you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. Now, Paul's not saying here that that God was pleased with the Jews all the time, or that all the Jews were saved. Rather, Paul is reminding the Ephesian Christians, who are predominantly Gentiles, that because of the people groups into which they were born and to which they belonged, they used to be more distant from God from an earthly perspective. Before being made alive in Christ, the Ephesian Christians were separated from Christ spiritually and culturally. So even though not all of the Jews had faith in God, at least their religion and their culture pointed them to the one true God. Before being made alive in Christ, the Ephesian Christians were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That is, they were not citizens. They did not have the rights of citizens of the blessed nation through whom God chose to reveal himself. And there were many barriers that reminded the Gentiles that they had no part in the Jewish commonwealth. Just like in our own country, not long ago, we had drinking fountains and restrooms and restaurants that were just for whites or blacks. So also the Jews and the Gentiles posted physical signs to declare their separation and their segregation. The ESV study Bible notes that there was an inscription on the wall of the outer courtyard of the Jewish temple warning Gentiles that they would only have themselves to blame for their death if they passed beyond it into the inner courts of the Jewish temple. In other words, You walk on our turf and you die. You talk about division and hostility between people groups. Paul goes on to tell the Ephesian Christians in verse 12 that before being made alive in Christ, they were strangers to the covenants, the covenants of promise. All of those Old Testament covenants that God gave to the Jews did not belong to the Gentiles. The Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, these covenants were not good news to the Gentile because those covenants didn't belong to them. Those covenants weren't pointing the Gentiles to a hopeful future as they awaited the coming Messiah. In other words, as a result of all these different types of division and separation, Paul says that before Christ, the Gentiles had no true hope. They were spiritually and culturally without God in the world. And not only were they without God, and not only were they separated from his nation, but also the Gentiles were even enemies with God. They were enemies with his nation, Jews and and Gentiles despised each other. They were prejudiced toward each other. They did not want little Gentile boys and girls playing with little Jewish boys and girls. And God forbid a Gentile man fall in love with a Jewish woman or vice versa. The, The hostility between the Jews and Gentiles, the racism between these peoples, the national enmity, between these peoples was not decades old, it was not centuries old, it was thousands of years old. This was in their blood. And from an earthly perspective, these divided people groups would never and could never stop hating each other. And they obviously would never and could never be friends. But don't forget the power of God in Jesus Christ. Don't forget that our God is a reconciling God. Don't forget that our God makes people born again. That God changes the hearts of people. God changes people's disposition toward himself and toward one another. God can do anything. And Paul writes in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God has brought us Gentiles near to Himself in Christ Jesus. God has broken down the wall that keeps the Gentiles out of the court of the temple and out of His presence. God calls all peoples now, all Gentiles, all Jews, to come into his temple, to come near to him, and to know him personally. Christ Jesus baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch into himself. And he tells him, Come into these courts which you've always dreamt of entering. Christ baptizes the leper into himself and he makes him totally clean and he tells him, come into these courts which you've so long been kept out of. Christ baptizes the Ephesian witches into himself and he forgives them of their evil deeds and he says, come into my courts which you used to curse. And right now, Jesus Christ calls you to turn from your sin to come to him and to trust in him. Be baptized into Jesus Christ by trusting in him. Christ calls all his image bearers from all races and nations to be reconciled to God through him by his blood. To the African man, To the Hispanic man, to the Asian man, to the Native American man, to the Islander, to the white man, Jesus says, come to me and worship the Lord and know me personally. Receive my salvation. The salvation that is by God's grace alone. Trust in Christ alone. Christ does not restrain us to stay at the, gentle, the the gentile court outside the temple. Instead, Christ comes to us outside of the gates and he takes our hand And he walks us into his temple and he leads us through the beautiful gate and through the women's court and through the gate of Nicanor and through the Israelites' courtyard and through the priests' courtyard and past the slaughter tables and past the altar and up the stairs into the holy place and past the old curtain and into the holy of holies. This is what Paul means, that we are now seated in the heavenlies with Christ. In Christ, we are right now sitting with God at his throne in the heavenlies. This is the kind of access we have to God in Jesus Christ alone. But how can Christ do this for us, right? Why do we... God's former, unclean, rebellious enemies who once were far off. Why do we get to be led by the hand of God into the presence of God? Because God loves us so much that he died for our sin and put our old selves to death and he rose us up together with Christ. He raised us with Christ He gave us the greatest gift of grace by giving us the gift of his son, Jesus. The reason, the reason, the only reason we could walk past the temple's slaughter tables and into the Holy of Holies is because Jesus was already slaughtered on the table for our sin. Christ doesn't bring us into the temple because he's turned a blind eye to our wickedness. No, Christ brings us into the temple because he shed his blood for our wickedness. He was slaughtered for us. The reason we can walk past the altar in the temple and come to God is because Jesus laid down his life on the altar of the cross for us. Ephesians 2.13 says, that God has brought us near to him by the blood of Christ. God loves us, and he wants relationship with us and friendship with us. And that's only possible through the atoning work of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15 says this, may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant." Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ's offer of salvation to us is entirely an offer of grace. It is God's favor that he shows to people who deserve only his wrath. That's God's grace. His salvation is entirely an invitation to receive his grace, and his salvation is entirely an application of his grace by his Spirit. If you cannot accept his grace, if you insist on doing something to add to his grace so that you might be saved, then you're not allowed in his temple. There's no other way into the temple gates than through the resurrected Lord Jesus, who graciously sacrificially laid it all down and shed his own blood once and for all for sinners. If you want God, then come to Jesus today. Trust in him. Ephesians 2:14 continues thereby killing the hostility. See, only through his cross does Jesus offer us what we need most, peace. That's what we need most. We need peace with God. And Jesus himself is our peace, is what it says right here. If we have Jesus, we have peace with God. And here in verses 14 to 16, Paul is clearly saying that, that Jesus is not only our peace with God, but also Jesus is our peace with one another. Through the cross, Jesus has made us both one. Through the cross, God takes Jews and Gentiles, the most severest of enemies, and he puts an end to to the hostility between them. And he brings them into a peaceful and harmonious friendship with one another. Who but God could do that? Nobody. On the cross, Jesus suffered for and killed both of these people's sins. He killed and suffered for both of their hatred. And he made both of them born again in him, and he united them into one new man. Thank you, Lord. And now, as God's new man, we must work together and honor each other as God's parts in order to do the good works that God prepared for us to do before the foundation of the world. We must work together in unity and we must honor each other as God's parts. Those of us who are in Christ and are part of his new man, Jesus is our peace. (laughs) Jesus is our uniter Jesus is our unity. Jesus is our reconciler. And Jesus is our reconciliation. You see, when the Jews and the Gentiles physically beat and broke Jesus' physical body on the cross, they did not know the glorious unity that God would create from their horrific actions. By beating and breaking the body of God, they were beating and breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Jesus became that dividing wall of hostility. And Jesus broke down that dividing wall of hostility in his own beaten and bloodied body. Jesus conquered our racial and national divisions in his body in order to create in himself one new man, one new race, one new creation. Do you hear that? God does not want us Christians as God's new man to live in division with one another. And there are a million issues and opinions that could divide us right now. But as parts of the body of God's new man, each of us must work together with the other parts of the body to do the good works of God together on earth as it is in heaven. The reconciliation of the races and of all human divisions In Jesus Christ is not a mere side effect of the cross. It is what Jesus created through his cross. One new man from all races and nations reconciled in him and for his glory. The cross is at the center of all of this. The cross of Christ is how the hostility between races is killed. The cross is how the hostility between man and God is killed. And now we who together form the new man, we have real peace with God and we have real unity with one another because Jesus has made us one. And this is why the New Testament never tells the church to create unity in the church. The New Testament tells us to maintain our unity, to work hard, to keep our unity, the unity that Christ shed his blood for to make us into one new man. When you look at the cross, think of reconciliation. Reconciliation between God and man and reconciliation between one another. The cross holds it all together. Now let me end with three more applications. First, God has created every human being in his own image. God has created every human being in his own image. This means that every human being, from the womb to the tomb, is intrinsically valuable and purposeful and is a miracle of God. This doctrine called the imago dei or the image of God does not allow any of us to look down on any other person because of the color of their skin or because of the appearance of their face, or because of the shape of their body, or because of the way they talk, or because of where they live, or because of how much money they do or don't have. Every human being has the fingerprints of God all over them, whatever they look like, and whatever religion they are. And it is our duty as human beings to seek earthly justice for one another, regardless of our race, our religion, or our nationality, because we are all made in the image of God. Second, only the cross of Christ provides true, lasting reconciliation with God and between all peoples. Only the cross of Christ provides true, lasting reconciliation with God and between <laughs> All peoples. God not only created the different races. God not only saves people from all those races that he created, but also God actually creates one new person from all those different races. All those different peoples. We as God's church now, are the earthly manifestation of God's new man, because we who are in Christ are the new man by God's grace. In order to be reconciled with God, justice must be done for the wrongs we've committed against God. In order to be reconciled with one another, Justice must be done for the wrongs we've committed against one another. And Jesus suffered the just eternal punishment for all his people's wickedness toward God and toward one another. The spirit of Jesus makes us born again and gives us new hearts of flesh that wanna love the Lord and that wanna love what the Lord loves and that want to love one another. And he gives us a spirit that gives us the power to do that. We must believe the good news of Jesus to be saved by God and to become part of his new man. Believe in Jesus today and be saved. And while we must use every earthly freedom we have been given to be a voice for the voiceless and to work for equality and earthly justice we know that racism and poverty and injustice and pride can only truly be defeated when people's hearts are changed you can write a law but that doesn't change the heart just as the whole bible testifies and so we need to pray for god to change hearts, for God to change our hearts toward him and to change our hearts toward one another. Let's pray though that God would not only change our hearts so that the races will be reconciled, but also that he would change our hearts so that our racial reconciliation is rooted in Christ alone and exists by and for the glory of Christ alone. Third, God commands Christians to invite all people groups to become of part of Christ's new man. And God commands Christians to maintain unity in Christ's new man. Let me say that again. God commands Christians to invite all peoples to become part of Christ's new man. And also God commands Christians to main unit maintain unity in Christ's new man. So let's take those one one at a time. As God's new man, we in Christ declare good news to the world that they can have true lasting reconciliation with God and with one another through Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul writes In 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord. So we pray that the non-believers in the world around us hear us speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that God saves them. And we pray that God will save them we, we, we as Christians, <clears throat> we also want to work for the earthly good of all peoples by speaking up for those who have no voice, by seeking justice for those who have no justice, and by seeking the good of the city and of the country and of the world in which God has placed us. And in addition to inviting non-believers to be reconciled to God, We, as God's new man, must also work hard to maintain the unity of Christ among us. Turn to Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So let each of us who are one part of God's new man, be eager to maintain our unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Jesus himself is our bond of peace. May we be eager to maintain the unity of Jesus among us, church. Within our church, and during this divided time in history, we pray that Jesus Christ would give us his humility, that he would give us his gentleness that's described here, that he would give us his patience, and that he would give us and help, or help us to maintain his unity in his body. He, that he would give us these spiritual fruit which are so otherworldly. That the cause, the, 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 they, they make us as Christ's body shine like a brilliant light into the darkness of this world and point the whole world to the glory of Jesus Christ. May God do that in and through us. And may each one of us as individual parts of the body do our part to maintain that unity for the glory of God. And now, as one new man, having been baptized together into one Savior, Jesus, we come to the table of the one Lord and Savior to partake in his supper together.